I am sweating up here already. I've been running around with little Brighton for the last couple of hours, and I've got my workout in. I've got some serious calorie burning done. So I think that means when I go home after this, I can have some trifle, right? Any trifle fans in the room? Anybody love trifle? Like, that's pretty good. Remind me not to invite you guys to any of my parties where there's trifle, because you guys are going to eat all my trifle, won't you? God is good, isn't he? Come on. So we get an evening service. Who likes doing evening services? Kids pastors. Yeah. Everybody that's here likes evening service, don't they? Right? People that didn't show up tonight probably aren't the biggest fan of evening services, but it's always fun doing something a little bit different, right? Different is good, isn't it? So I think a lot of you guys were here last week. Amy shared a message last week, right? She was speaking on God and your disappointments and dealing with your disappointments. Who in here has gone through disappointments? A couple of you guys. I was expecting more hands to go up. Yeah, feet go up too, right? We've all gone through many, many disappointments, I'm sure, right? I think it's, um, so I'm going to kind of play off her message a little bit. She's taking the kids home, so I'm going to steal her message and, and put it in my own words, right? This is what a loving husband does. Loves what his wife does, puts it into his own words, and takes full credit for you. Okay, Aaron, over there, you, you write that down. Take full credit for what your wife says, okay? He was on his phone, so I thought I'd put him out in the open there. All right, don't be disappointed with me, okay, Aaron? So I'm building off her message. Basically, what I want to start off with is saying that disappointment is normal, okay? Actually, I don't want to say, oh, thank you. I'm really loud, eh? Okay, is that better? So all of us go through disappointment, and I would love for Catch Fire Kitchener, I'd love for the atmosphere, the, the culture in Catch Fire Kitchener to be a safe place for people to come when we're going through disappointment, okay? Because we all go through it, don't we? I don't know about you guys, but when I became a Christian, I was just like, oh my goodness, if I'm dealing with a struggle, if I'm dealing with disappointment, I was just like, I can't tell anybody. I was like, I got to keep that to myself. I got to have this this idea that people see me and think that Adam's got everything all together, right? Am I the only one that does that? Or do you guys understand where I'm coming from, right? Now, that's when I first became a Christian. I've, I've been a Christian now for a few years, and I've gotten a little bit better at being like, yeah, you know, I want to do this life for real. I want to be real. Amy and I, that's one of our biggest passions when we come up here is being real with you guys. We don't want to hide things. We don't want to pretend that you know, where it's everything's perfect all the time. We're just, we go home, we got the four kids, and, you know, everything, our house is completely clean all the time, and we never struggle, we never get frustrated with the kids, you know, and I eat perfect, I exercise all the time. I read my Bible like 40 hours a week, you know, and I pray like 60 hours a week, right? Milton, he told me a good stat uh, a while ago. He said on average, the average pastor is praying, what, 10 minutes? 10 minutes a day, I think it was? 10 minutes a day. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm exceeding that, so check mark on that one, all right? But anyways, I, I want to say that the culture we want here is, is cultivating a safe place for people, right? Catch Fire Kitchen, we want it to be known as a safe place for people to come in. That if you're dealing with a struggle, right, you're dealing with disappointment, we want people to feel like, I can come here and I'm not going to get judged. I'm not going to get shame thrown at me because I'm struggling. Are you guys with me? Yes, I'm going to say that a lot because I've got to make sure you guys are, are awake, right? 2020, 
who loves New Year's? You know, a lot of a lot of people do, right? We love like starting New Year's resolutions, right? It's a new year, we feel refreshed. We're like, yeah, we're so excited. Something new is gonna happen, okay? Uh, and so this year, I'm not gonna give you guys any kind of like, you know, cheesy one-liners about 2020 with a vision or anything like that. Um, but basically, what I want to say is, when I've been praying into this year, that it's like I really felt that this is a 2020 is a year of new hope. Okay, I feel like for a lot of us. I'm pretty sure like probably 99% of everybody could put up their hands saying that 2019 was a tough year, right? 2018 maybe was a tough year, right? Maybe not, okay? Some people, I know some people are going to fall in that 1%, right? But if, you know, 2019 was a tough year, I know for some people, I've got quite a few emails already that 2020 has already been a tough year, and it's only been 19 days, right? And so no matter where you fall into that category, I just want to start declaring today that 2020 is going to be a year of hope, okay? So even if it has been really, really good, the last few years have been great, you know, things are awesome, I still think, obviously, we can go for more hope, can't we? All right, something you're going to hear a lot of up here is that we constantly say that God is good and he's a loving father, amen? God is good and he's a loving father. But we also feel that it's one of the biggest attacks from the enemy is that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? He comes and plants these seeds of doubt in our minds that God is good and that he's a good father, right? Thank you. Don't confuse me. It's late. All right. So I'm going to get you guys to repeat this statement after me, Okay. Uh, but let me say it first. I am responsible for my relationship with God. So you're going to repeat that after me here. I am responsible for my relationship with God. Okay, now just let that soak in for a second. I'm responsible for my relationship with God. Right? I'm responsible for my spiritual growth. Okay? So you are responsible for your relationship with God. You are responsible for your spiritual growth. Okay? That can uh, send a little mean, um, but I'm, I mean it in the most loving way. If you know me, you know I'm a really gentle guy. I'm a loving person, okay? Right? Okay? Sundays are an amazing time, right? We come together, we worship, you know, you hear a great sermon, right? You, we pray together, we hang out, you get to know people, and it's really, really good, Right? But if that's the only time that we are pouring into our relationship with God, is that enough? No, it's not, right? Home groups, connect groups, whatever you want to call them, again, they're amazing things, right? You get together, you get to build more relationship with people, you get to know where people are at, you get people praying for you, you're like, Adam, I have this gift and I really want to start growing in my gift. Home groups are a great way to grow your gifts, right? Are home groups enough to build your relationship with God? No. Combine the two. Is it enough? No. This guy knows it already. It's so good. Sundays are great. Home groups are great. We need them. They're extremely important. But when we're looking at our relationship with God, it still isn't enough. Okay? Sometimes we rely too heavy on other people trying to build our relationship with God. Right? We rely too much on other people trying to be working on more of my relationship with God than I am willing to. Okay? 
that sets us up for spiritual depression, I would say. Right? If I'm not willing to work in my relationship with God more than my friends are, it's setting you up for a really bad situation. Right? So when disappointment comes your way, when you're going through hard things, if we don't know how to work in our relationship with God enough ourselves, again, it sets us up for something bad to happen. Okay? Now, obviously God uses people around us, right? I'm not saying that. If you have your Bibles here, I'm going to get you to grab your Bibles. Uh, we're going to read 2 Kings chapter 6. Or if you want to write it down, you can read, the, read it at home. So 2 Kings chapter 6, we're really going to read three verses, verses 14 to 17. Um, but basically kind of to set you up with it. I've used this book a lot, these verses a lot. It's one of my favorites. You can pull out a lot of different sermons from them. But basically... 2 Kings chapter 6, basically it's the king of Aram. He is attacking Jerusalem, or Israel, sorry. He's trying to attack them, um, but Elisha keeps getting in the way. Elisha being very prophetic, he's just like, God keeps telling him exactly what the king of Aram is doing. So Elisha goes, tells the king of Israel, this is what's going on. And they kind of, you know, get away from King Aram, king of Aram. And he's just like, I'm sick of this. This is enough, Right? Who is this guy that's, you know, kind of reading my mail, so to speak? So he finds out who he is, okay? So we're going to pick it up in verse 14. So it says, then he sends, this is the king of Aram, he sends horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. Verse 15, when the servant of the man of God got up and went outside early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Verse 17. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Okay, so it's an amazing, amazing story, okay? Definitely, if you, if you haven't read it, write it down, read it. Uh, I've used it several times in this past, past little bit. Um, so basically here, we have Elisha and his servant, right? Elisha's been pouring into his servant over time. Elisha's servant's just like, I see God moving in your life. You know, I want that, right? So he's become a servant. He's just following him around. Elisha is pouring into him, right? It's just like Sunday, just like home groups. You have somebody pouring into you. It's really, really good, okay? But this is the thing I want you to remember. Elisha said, God, open up his eyes. Open up his eyes. And so at this point, it now becomes between God and the servant, okay? Elisha being, you know, really right on point, passes it on to his servant, and now it's between God and his servant. So again, God can use people in your life, right? People that you meet on a Sunday, people that you meet in a home group, and he can use those people to pray prayers like that. God, open up their eyes, right? You meet people in these situations that are pushing you towards where you need to go, right? Sometimes we don't solve all the problems, and that's okay, but we push you towards somebody that who can. So why is it beautiful? It's because now... Elisha's servant has 
to make a decision, right? God opened up his eyes, so he obviously sees this amazing situation in front of him. So obviously it makes it really easy for him, right? He sees that actually this, this army that's surrounding us is actually surrounded by an even bigger army. I'd say if I was in a servant's shoes, I'd be like, oh, I feel a lot better now, don't I? Right? Compared to when I woke up in the morning, I'm like, I'm surrounded by an enemy army. And what does this enemy army want to do to me? They want to make me breakfast? No, I don't think so, right? They've come to take them out. So it's obviously a natural reaction is that fear, right? Fear. And so Elisha's servant, he has this opportunity to trust God, right? God opened up his eyes, but now he has a decision to make. Am I going to trust God, right? He obviously does, okay? But I want you to ask yourself this question. Is there a breakthrough that you've been praying for? Is there something in your life that you've been praying into and you haven't seen an answer yet? I want to encourage you to Ask for his eyes. Ask God to open up your eyes. What is he showing you in these situations, right? Because maybe we haven't learned to, to lean on God for those breakthroughs yet. You guys are still with me, right? Okay. I've said this many times as well. A lot of you guys have know this. But I was a personal trainer before pastoring here. Okay, even when we planted this church, I was personal training still. So I would meet with clients, you know, weekly. Sometimes it's three days a week. Uh, sometimes it's two, one, sometimes it's once a month. Basically, it depended on their goals, what they wanted to accomplish. So, basically, you'd have some clients that, you know, you'd give them homework to do. You'd sell them, like, once a week or so. You'd give them homework to do. Okay, come in. Make sure you're doing this, this, and this. Make sure you're changing your eating habits. Make sure you're doing this in order to hit your goals, right? And then you would have other clients who would just come in just to see you, right? They would come in, do the work that you gave them, and that was it. They didn't do their homework. Which group got the results? The ones that did the homework, right? The ones that would listen to what you were doing, you would give them things to do, and they did it. Those were the ones that got the results, right? Now, the other ones that came in to see me a couple times a week and orally come in to do my workouts, was it still beneficial? Of course, right? There was still benefit of them coming in to see me, right? Because I'm an amazing person. No, because they're still doing exercise, right? They're still doing things. But the point is that when they listened to the homework, when they actually took responsibility upon themselves, they actually got to go where they wanted to go. All right? So again, just like Sunday morning, home groups, again, they're great. They're beneficial, right? But we've got to learn to take responsibility for our own spiritual growth, okay? You guys can show, jump up, stand up. Thank you. All right. Going back to Elisha and his servant. The servant asked Elijah, what should we do? Okay, what should we do? When we lack in intimacy, it causes all these things like stress, right? Depression, anxiety, fear, right? We ask those questions when we're in stressful situations. What do I do in those, right? I'm surrounded here. I have this whole load of laundry around me and I just feel so stressed out about it, right? I'm surrounded by an enemy army and I just don't know what to do. And we ask that question, what do I do? But when we live in a place of deeper intimacy with God, the question, the question changes from what should I do to God, what are you going to do? God, what are you going to do? 
When I've come to God and I've, God, I've given you my life, I've surrendered myself to you, I've surrendered my family to you, I've surrendered my kids, I've surrendered my spouse, I've surrendered my finances to you, I surrender my life to you. And then all of a sudden when the enemy starts attacking you and they're attacking those situations in your life, when we're in intimacy with God, it changes from what do I do to God, what are you going to do? Now, I'd love to take all credit for that, but I did get motivated from banning Liebescher. Banning Liebescher is pastor of Jesus Culture, Sacramento. Um, had an amazing sermon kind of on a bigger topic of that. Uh, so I kind of took that part of his sermon, so I'm giving him full credit. Okay, just so you guys know, Adam, that was really, really good. Well, it's actually banning Liebescher part on that. Um, again, really, really good. But Matthew 7, 23. Again, write it down. It says, Lord, Lord, I've done all these things in your name. I've cast out demons. I've done signs and wonders in your name. I've prophesied in your name. But yet he says, I do not know you. Again, all those things are really, really good, isn't it? Doing all those things, right? High up on our list. They're so important. But yet he says, but I didn't know you. What's more important? is our intimacy with the Father, right? Functioning from a place of intimacy with Him. When we function from a place of intimacy with Him, it allows us to go out and do those things, right? It allows us to deal with disappointment in our lives. Bill Johnson has a quote, a private victory leads to a public victory. A private victory leads to a public victory. When we lack intimacy, I can guarantee you're going to lack in hope. Okay, when we lack intimacy with God, it's a guarantee that you're going to lack in hope. Right? So tonight, if you're like, Adam, I could use more hope in my life. I could use more joy in my life. I want to say to you, get into your quiet place. Don't you love when people say, get into your quiet place? It used to drive me crazy when I became a Christian. Like, what is my quiet place? I don't know what my quiet place is. I don't have a quiet place. Stop saying those words. But now I say it all the time. Um, and I apologize if that sets off like a red flag over you, but get somewhere where you can just be alone, okay? Quiet, right? Shut off the distractions. Open up your Bible. Start reading. Like, Adam, I don't know where to read. Just start reading something in the Bible. If you don't know, just start reading something, okay? Start singing it out. That's one of Amy's big things when she was saying with dealing with disappointment. Start singing. Start worshiping, right? Start crying out to God. Don't worry about the perfect words. When I first became a Christian, I was like, oh, I hated doing that because I'm like, my words, I don't know what to say. Like, if they're not, my words aren't beautiful enough. It's not elegant enough, right? But just start crying your heart out to him. He knows what's in your heart, right? He just wants to hear it. And it's just saying, Jesus, I want more of you, right? Jesus, I want more of you. Faith isn't saying there's no mountain. It's knowing that there's a mountain, but there's something even greater than that mountain, right? Again, we want to be passionate about admitting, being real, that what I'm going through is real, right? It's like I could stand up here and say, no, no, cancer, no, no, that you don't have cancer, no, you definitely don't, but yet they do, right? Faith isn't saying that there's no cancer. Faith is admitting that there is cancer, but there's somebody even greater than that cancer, right? Okay, so the enemy wants us to focus on all the junk all around us. Okay, the army surrounded us, wants you to focus on all the bad stuff going on in your life, right? He wants you to focus on the natural things that are happening around you. 
okay? But again, place of intimacy, it changes our mind focus, right? It changes our focus from what's going on around us to what's happening spiritually. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. I got lots of verses for you guys tonight. I hope you guys are remembering them. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. I'll paraphrase it here for you. It says, Jesus endured the cross uh, for the joy set before him, right? So he's able to go through the cross because of the joy set before him. Just like for us, we can endure going through things because there's going to be a joy set before us. Now, ultimately, no matter what happens here, when you've accepted Jesus into your life, we get to go to heaven, right? So no matter what, no matter whatever disappointment, whatever struggle I go through here on earth, I can live with a joy knowing that when it's all over, when it's all said and done, when I have hit the wall so hard, when I've hit the ground so hard, I can still get up because at the end of it all, I get to spend an eternity with him. Okay? So it's good. It's great. But I think it's something even more than that, isn't it? Right? It's great. It's, great. it's amazing knowing that when it's all over, I get to go to heaven. I get to have this amazing joy waiting before me, right? But there's joy right here, right now, isn't there? Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done, as it is in earth, as it is in heaven. You're trying to sabotage me. Your will be done, as it is. I'm messed up now. <laughs> your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven, right? So don't let your pain from your past rob you from the joy in your future. So don't let your pain from your past rob you from the joy in their future. Because as it is in heaven, on earth. Okay? Amen? 2020, I want us to declare that this year is a year of joy. Right? A year of faith. Now, I'm not saying you need crazy faith. Right? I don't want you listening to this and be like, Adam, that sounds good. You know, but my faith definitely is like, maybe it's down here right now. Wherever your faith level is, wherever your hope level is right now is okay, right? Say it's okay. It's okay, right? But leaving here tonight, I want you to increase that hope level just a little bit. Increase that faith level just a little bit. So what happens if we started coming to God when we're praying and we had just a little bit more faith that it's going to happen? Just a little bit, right? We have, this, we have this fear that if we step out and we start actually believing it, nothing's going to happen, right? So it's just like, well, Adam, that's, that sounds good, but what if nothing happens? Todd White says it best. He's like, what if you actually went and talked to that person and something does happen, right? What if you actually went up to that person, you prayed for that person, and they got healed? But they could, they could turn me down, right? They could say no to me. But what if... Something did happen, right? What if we risked just a little bit more this year? We risked a little bit more this year, 2020, had a little more faith that that breakthrough's coming, that the impossible can happen, okay? I'm going to finish this up, guys. Don't worry. I see some tired eyes out here. All right, I'm going to finish with these last couple of things here. Elisha didn't pray this prayer that God supernaturally get rid of this army, right? His prayer wasn't, God, I don't command this army to be gone. Who's said prayers like that? I definitely have many times, and many times nothing's happened. Like, Darn it, come on. Jesus, you can do it. 
I command this debt to leave right now in the name of Jesus. Look at my faith statement. It's still there. I'm like, come on. Right? It's not this prayer that God command his army to leave. It's a prayer that God open up his eyes. Right? We can read more than one story in the Bible where it says that they actually had to go through something. But Jesus is there with them, isn't he? Right? It's opening up the eyes. I think there's like a furnace story. Right? You guys know the furnace story, right? I just don't want to pronounce those guys' names. Um, you know, they actually go into the furnace. But Jesus is there with them. God is in there with them. Right? Elisha and his servant are actually right there in the situation. But God is with them. So no matter what you're going through, guess what? God is with you in your situation. That disappointment that you're going through, guess what? God was with you in that disappointment. God is still with you in your disappointment. Okay? Even when you don't feel like he is there. I was going to get Melissa to come up, but I'll get Jonathan to come up. Um, Nothing embarrassing. This is actually really, really quick, and you don't really have to do anything besides stand here and have a wonderful smile on your face. Jonathan's our kid's pastor. Him and his wife, Maya, they're amazing. You guys just clap for this guy. Not that you need it, but honestly, we're very, very thankful for you and Maya and everything you guys do, okay? So Jonathan, you know, he's, he's going through this really, really hard time. I break that off. You're not, but let's pretend that you are. You're going through this really, really hard time, right? And I, I'm being God, of course, and I, I'm here with him, right? I'm not going to be, I'm God, okay? Jonathan's in this really, really difficult situation. Melissa's yelling at him for some reason. God's not going to be like, oh man, Jonathan, this sucks, man. I'm sorry that you're going through this. Like, I'm, I'm going to go, and, but I'll come back, all right? I'll come back when things ease over and she stops yelling and all those kind of things. That's all you need. Thank you. Um, nice and easy. But basically, God doesn't run away when things get hard in our lives, right? God doesn't run away when we go through disappointments, he is there with you in those disappointments, okay? So basically, when we have intimacy with him, our perspective changes, okay? You can write that down. You can Instagram that one. Our perspective changes in intimacy, okay? We start to see things through his eyes. So this year, guys, I want to, before we leave tonight, I'm going to get uh, Sylvia to come up and play some, some music here for me. But we want to have this opportunity where we just allow God to come in. And we just stand here, sit here, and we just allow his presence just to come in, okay? And we start taking responsibility for our relationship with God. Right? 2020, we're going to start taking responsibility. 2020, we're going to have more faith this year. More hope. So last quote here. I got lots of quotes. C.S. Lewis. Who knows C.S. Lewis? Okay. Life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace within difficulties. Life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace within difficulties. Again, we're going to go through hard times, right? We're going to endure it. It's like Jesus endured the cross. We're going to go through things that are not enjoyable. When we became a Christian, that wasn't one of the things we signed up for was this easygoing life, right? There's going to be things that we endure, but we take courage, we take hope, because we're not alone. I don't know about you guys, but I'm thankful that I'm not alone when I'm in those hard situations, right? So this year, I wanted to speak into intimacy with him. 
Okay, so I'm going to get you guys to, if you want to stand up here, we're going to pray. You don't have to stand up. You can always, we always make people stand up, but you can sit down too. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes anyways. Jesus, we need more of you. We need more of you, Jesus. Father, I pray that you would open up our eyes to the, the things going on around us. God, I pray right now that you would give us your eyes, Holy Spirit, to see what you are doing in the spiritual. God, we wouldn't be focused on all the enemies surrounding us right now. We wouldn't be focused on all the, the hard things going on in our lives right now, God, but we would have your eyes to see what you're doing. God, help us not to be focused on the lies in front of us, but to take courage that you're always with us, Holy Spirit. are always with us, Papa. God, I pray that this year would be a year that we just seek a deeper intimacy with you. And I pray right now, God, you would just start speaking to our hearts what that means to each and every one of us. declare in this place that you are good even when our circumstances say something different God that you are good